You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to this Wednesday episode here on Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints have done it. Yes, they've cleared over $100 million of salary cat space while returning many of their key players, core, and retaining some important outgoing free agents as well. They said it couldn't be done, but we'll do a full-on recap to show you how exactly they did get it done and how they got below the cap, the moves that they made, and in the meanwhile, what they can still do to earn some breathing room in free agency. Then we'll get to our midweek mock draft recap today, since we understandably missed mock draft Monday to cover Breeze's retirement news. Very important there. We'll do a quick look over five different mock drafts and five different first round picks for the New Orleans Saints. And then I'm going to put myself through the ringer and try to task myself with picking one using today's New Orleans Saints roster. Then we'll wrap up with a big rumor that's floating around the Houdat Nation. Apparently, the Saints are the potential landing spot, or at least a potential landing spot, for veteran cornerback Richard Sherman. Does he fit? Would it be a good move? And what the signing would mean moving ahead. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the Locked On NFL National Podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. y'all it is time to get started with today's episode of locked on saints of course the negotiation period the legal tampering period now coming to a close as we get closer and closer to noon on wednesday when the new league year begins meaning that deals will become finalized ink will go to paper so much is going on across the nfl so many big moves and not the least of which being with the new orleans saints have achieved the new orleans saints they said it couldn't be done they said you'd have to sell the farm they said you'd have to trade away Marshawn Lattimore. You'd have to cut Ryan Ramchek. You'd have to just give up the entire team, trade Sean Payton to the Cowboys, and call it a day for the remainder of the New Orleans Saints' existence. But nay, not at all, not one bit, said the Saints. They did it. $100 million right off the books. They're all done. They are officially going to be, I believe, under the salary cap after on Tuesday, they announced that Teron Armstead is expected to have his contract restructured. That's going to save a chunk of change. Malcolm Brown ended up getting traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That selection should send them back an undisclosed draft pick, which we'll learn more about. I'm sure it's probably a late day three pick either this year or next year. And then, of course, the Saints now finding a way to get out from under that $100 million overage. And they did so while still holding on to several key players. So let's talk a little bit about how they got through that $100 million, and we'll talk about all the things they achieved while doing it. So $24 million came from Drew Brees' contract. He took the $23 million or so pay cut. It's a little bit around there, $23.925 million, basically. Took the pay cut there. If the Saints process his retirement as a post-June 1 transaction, they'll save the additional base salary that he had of $1.075 million and then won't take on the additional 11 and a half that they would have accelerate because they'll be able to defer that afterwards. So that's all good news for the Saints, essentially freeing up nearly a quarter of their overage just with the retirement and pay cut by Drew Brees. 
They then went on to free up $38 million in cuts as well as trades. The only trade, of course, being the Malcolm Brown trade that we just talked about. And then $52 million came back in restructures. That's $111 million in total that they were able to carve out. That doesn't include the additional $7.5 million that got added to the salary cap instead of it being at the $175 million floor, the 4.1 or somewhere between three point something to $4.1 million that they also carried over from last year. All these numbers, by the way, in terms of how much came from Drew Brees, cuts and trades and restructures are courtesy of Mike Triplett over at ESPN. So that's how the Saints did it. In the meanwhile, while they did all of that, they've also yet to extend Ryan Ramchick or Marshawn Lattimore, meaning that if they wanted to, they could literally play them on their expensive fifth year options, the $11 million tag or price tag rather for Ryan Ramchick, the 10.2 or so million dollars. For Marshawn Lattimore, there's no hurry. The Saints do not need those extensions to happen in order to be able to operate under the salary cap. However, if they got them done, it would certainly be helpful. But now the Saints have leverage in those conversations as opposed to those moves needing to be done. Not only did they retain those those two key players, they also put a franchise tag down, a $10.6 million franchise tag on Marcus Williams. So in the midst of them making $11 million, $111 million and freeing up all that money, they were also actively spending money because not only did they have the $10.5 million franchise tag go to Marcus Williams, which they still haven't extended to drop that cap hit. They can also do that later on. They also signed Jameis Winston. They also signed James Hurst, Ty Montgomery, JT Gray, and Dwayne Washington, and went out there and signed an outside free agent in former Carolina Panthers fullback Alex Arma as well. Now, they didn't get a chance to bring back Justin Hardy. Justin Hardy took a three-year deal with the uh, New York Jets. He got paid, and he absolutely deserves it. So the Saints do have a big, big role, big hole to fill when it comes to the third phase of the game, special teams, because he and JT Gray were the NFL's best tandem when it came to gunners. But Small prices to pay in order of being in order to be able to maintain all of the large pieces, the core, and the superstars that you have on this roster. And they can still make more money if they want to be active in free agency. There are the three extensions that we talked about that can save each anywhere anywhere from uh, let's just say three to six million dollars each. Uh, that's sort of being conservative. It could probably get a little bit higher than that, but let's stick with that expectation. They can also move on from Latavius Murray and save. Anywhere between two and a half to three point three million dollars, depending upon when they decide to cut him, they can also save some money as well if they decide to move on from Patrick Robinson as well. But if they decide to keep those guys, that's great. And then if they're able to make those extensions, obviously that helps because you drop a salary cap number, you free yourself up some opportunity to spend some money there, and you lock down some cornerstones on your offensive line and two pieces in your secondary for the future, for the time being. So that's how the Saints did it. That's how they freed up and did what everybody said that they couldn't do, free up over $100 million and still maintain their team without selling the farm and selling everybody down the road. Not a problem for the New Orleans Saints at all. Once again, a very, very impressive, impressive showing by not only uh, Mickey Loomis, but you know we always like to make sure that we credit the guy Kai Harley over here as well. So now that you know all of that, we can turn our attention forward. The Saints probably not going to be big players in free agency, but may look to take advantage of some sneaky signings in the second and third phases of free agency, as they so often do. Richard Sherman has been linked to the Saints, and so we'll talk about him. But before we get to that, we could take a look at the NFL draft as well. Our midweek mock draft recap, we'll take a look at five different mock drafts, five different players for the first round. I'll let you know which of the five I would take with today's roster. We have that coming up for you next here on today's episode of Locked on Saints, 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The March Madness of the Saints salary cap has finally come to a close, but we are still very, very much in the thick of our Built Bar Madness bracket that we have going on over at BuiltBar.com and on Twitter at Bar underscore Built. Go and check them out. Look, we've been telling you about how amazing Built Bars are for a very long time, the best tasting protein bar on the market. We've been talking about it for a while now. These are 100% chocolate covered, fantastic flavor, high in protein, high in fiber, but low in sugar and low in calories. And right now, it's time to find out which Built Bar is best with our Built Bar Madness bracket. Once again, you can find it over at BuiltBar.com or on Twitter at Bar underscore Built. Today's matchup is Coconut Puff versus Peanut Butter. Listen, I'm a big coconut fan, but I have to go with Peanut Butter. So go ahead and drop your vote. Once again, BuiltBar.com at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. And don't forget to head over and grab your own box of Built Bars as well. You can use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And don't forget to check back every day to see who's won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Hey, Houdat Nation, as always, appreciate you being here for another episode today of Locked on Saints. We've got you covered with everything you need to know about the New Orleans Saints, but what about the rest of the sports world? Well, that's what the Locked on Today podcast is for. Peter Bukowski hitting all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked on Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. And of course, if this is your first time catching Locked on Saints, thank you so much for finding us and for checking us out and for hanging with us. Don't forget to follow here as well so you always know when you get a new episode every Monday through Friday. Here with Locked On Saints. All right, so let's jump into our midweek mock draft recap. I found five different mock drafts, and we'll take a look at five different first round prospects for the Saints. And based on the roster that the New Orleans Saints have right now, I will pick which one I think is the best fit for New Orleans. So let's go ahead and get it started. We'll talk about the five different mock drafts that we got first, and then we'll talk about the selections. All right, so of the five mock drafts we're going to look at, we've got five different sites. We've got the Draft Network, Pro Football Network, CBS, Pro Football Focus, and Roto Baller. So let's take a look, starting off with the Draft Network. This one was from Joe Marino, and Joe selected for the New Orleans Saints at pick number 28, cornerback Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Dynamic man coverage corner, good size, six foot one, 185 pounds, fluidity, speed, underrated ball skills. He can provide the answer for the Saints at cornerback two, according to Joe Marino. Now, of course, this is a huge hole for the New Orleans Saints right now, that CB2 spot, as they have parted ways with Norris Jenkins to save $7 million against the salary cap. He has now taken a contract with the Tennessee Titans, filling in there as they have two vacated cornerback spots in Tennessee, having let go of both Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson as well. So the Saints could look to fill that cornerback spot in free agency. But again, we're operating with today's roster. So that's our first option, Eric Stokes. Up next, we're going to take a look at Pro Football Network. They go Florida wide receiver Kadarius Toney. This is probably one of my absolute favorite selections for the New Orleans Saints. Trevor Sikama said that it would be objectively hilarious for the Saints to draft and have Kadarius Toney working with Sean Payton in Sean Payton's offense. Name it and you can do it with this guy. You want to run jet sweeps? Fine. You want to hand it off to him out of the backfield? Fine. You want to run him out of the slot? Great. You want to put him out wide? Awesome. Doesn't matter. You want him to be a deep threat or you want him to be an underneath yards after catch guy? Fantastic. He can do it all for you. 
It's one of the things I love about Kadarius Tony. Sean Payton always talks about players being multiple. And right now they ain't got a lot of money to spend. So any players that can fill more than one type of position and play for more than one spot on the field, they're going to be very, very, very valuable to New Orleans. That's exactly what Kadarius Tony is. Is Brandon Olson, who's actually now taken over for Locked On Gators over on the College Channel, called him the human personification of Lanyap. And you got to love that. All right, let's go to CBS now. They go to the other Georgia corner, Tyson Campbell, six foot two, 185. Excellent man defender as well. He's got average ball skills. He kind of does okay there, but. The biggest thing is that he's big, he's physical, he's athletic, and he's a great man defender. The Saints playing a pretty hefty amount of man. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment when we talk about Richard Sherman for the New Orleans Saints as a potential option. But Tyson Campbell certainly fits the bill in terms of prototype size, all that gives you the height, weight, speed essential that you're looking for. But the ball skills thing is something that if I can get somebody that's got better ball skills along with the size and along with the man coverage experience but is a little bit more scheme versatile than Tyson Campbell, who is not very good in zone coverage, then I might want to go that route instead. You want somebody that could do a little bit of both for this New Orleans Saints offense because they're multiple in everything, right? They're multiple in their fronts and they're multiple in their coverages. So you need somebody that's going to be a little bit more scheme versatile. Let's go to pro football focus. You want to talk about scheme versatile and can do anything from anywhere on the field. Tulsa linebacker, Zayvon Collins. Y'all know how much I love it. Y'all know how much I love that selection. Zayvon Collins, you want on the blitz? Great. You want him to cover? Fantastic. You want him to run defend? Awesome. No problem. Six foot three, 260 ish, somewhere around there. He is a traditional prototype when it comes to linebacker size, but he's built with the athleticism to play a modern brand of linebacker. You have to love that. And he also has a presence in the red zone, taking away throwing lanes just because of how damn tall he is and just simply standing in the way. And then finally, we'll go to Rotoballer here who picks Minnesota wide receiver Rashad. Bateman. Now, Rashad Bateman is probably the best prototypical fit in terms of height, weight, dominator, and target share. Remember, we looked at who would be the best prototype for the New Orleans Saints across those four metrics uh, a few weeks ago now. That player is absolutely Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, over six foot tall, over 206 pounds, over, I think he had a 40% 40 plus percent dominator rating, which is absolutely outstanding. That's an elite number there. He had a huge target share as well with Minnesota. So he is definitely a player that fits the mold for the New Orleans Saints. He kind of gives you another version of Michael Thomas, maybe a little bit more athleticism there, but doesn't really give you as much of the maybe like deep threat that you might look for in a speedier receiver. But look, Rashad Bateman does not lack for any athleticism either. So he would be a very interesting piece to have opposite Michael Thomas for New Orleans. And of course, with that new signal caller, whether it be Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, or otherwise, they would certainly benefit from having those two big body receivers on either side. All right, so now I'm going to make my selection using today's roster on these five players. For me, this one was really tough because I kind of want to go Zaving Collins because you don't have any experience at all at linebacker opposite Demario Davis right now, at least in the at the cornerback position. You still have Patrick Robinson on the roster. You still have, that's really it actually. You've just got Patrick Robinson on the roster. But because of that, I think I'm actually going to go Eric Stokes. It it makes a little bit of sense to want to fill in that linebacker role, but I think I'm going to go Eric Stokes here, the six foot one, 185 pound, super speedy, dynamic man coverage corner that does have a little bit more scheme versatility uh, as opposed to his his running mate, Tyson Campbell there. I, I, I want somebody that can be 
pretty good in one and then be very good at the other. And that's kind of what you get here with Eric Stokes. It doesn't hurt that in his regional combine, which is a little bit more official than the pro days that we're seeing, he ran his 40 in the high 4-2 range, which is just outstanding. So he gives you everything that you need to be a complimentary corner, particularly in man coverage across from Marshawn Lattimore, but has a scheme versatility to still be able to work as a zone coverage corner as well, which is something we're going to discuss a little bit more in depth as we uh, as we wrap up today's show here in just a moment and talk about Richard Sherman. Would he be a good fit? And are we selling him and the New Orleans Saints short without taking into consideration a full body of work? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And as we're wrapping up with today's show, I, of course, want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be sort of on hiatus right now, although there's still tons to check out because of all of the shifts in the market with free agency, with quarterbacks, everything going on across the NFL. But you can still bet on games as well for the NBA, college basketball with March Madness, NHL, and MLB right around the corner as well. You can also take a look at what they've got for awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Also, BetOnline has you covered with all the news, scores, and odds that you need and is the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up at BetOnline.ag. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. But don't forget to check out Wednesdays over at Locked on NFL to take your deep dive into the future of your favorite NFL franchises. You got Tony Wiggins, James Rappian, and they're joined every week by a Locked on NFL draft expert to talk about prospects in the upcoming draft. So go ahead and check them out and how things are shifting with the free agency market. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked on NFL wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's wrap up today's episode with this big piece of news. This one came courtesy of Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. He said the Saints are among the teams expressing interest in five-time Pro Bowl cornerback Richard Sherman per sources. Sherman's old DB coach in Seattle, Chris Richard, now has the same job in New Orleans, and the team is in the cornerback market after releasing Janoris Jenkins. So one of the things that I've seen a lot of people talk about with this idea, first of all, starts off from the conversation about why would you move on from Janoris Jenkins just to sign a guy like Richard Sherman, mostly looking at age as a part of that factor. The fact of the matter is that you have to look at another number, and it's the price tag, right? The Saints moved on from Janoris Jenkins knowing that they can save $7 million. There are many ways for you to structure a new contract for a new corner that would come in at less than that. Remember Richard Sherman's deal with San Francisco that, by the way, he negotiated himself. That's an important factor we'll circle back to here in a moment. That was a $9 million per year contract or thereabouts. So at this point, after only playing in a handful of games in 2020, it's reasonable to expect that the Saints could actually get Richard Sherman for less than $7 million. Now, it could be that as a one-year contract for less than $7 million, or it's a one-year contract for more than $7 million with some voidable years that keeps the cap hit low. You know how the Saints be doing. So they could absolutely do something like that as well. Now, I mentioned the importance of Richard Sherman being somebody that negotiates his own contracts because... You don't have to deal with an agent here, right? Richard Sherman knows how much money he wants, how much money he'll be willing to play for. And 
perhaps the fact that he would get to reconnect with Chris Richard, who he had a, who he carries and maintains a good relationship with, as well as with head coach Sean Payton, by the way, maybe that's enough for him to want to play in New Orleans, at least for a season. And then he would be willing to take a cheaper deal or at least a deal that is structured in such a way that is kind to the Saints and gets Richard Sherman on a competitive team. So the fact that he negotiates his own contract could actually work in the New Orleans Saints' favor as he's not having to deal with an agent who's going to want to push that up and boost the agent fees and the agent percentage from the cut that he gets out of it. Now, the big question as well on top of all this is, is Richard Sherman a good fit? Richard Sherman is notoriously known, or, or I don't even want to say notorious, but widely known as being a zone corner and not a man corner. You remember he has gotten into a couple of feuds with other corners around the NFL who have made sure to try to point that out past and present. But the fact of the matter is that regardless of how you look at it, Richard Sherman is an efficient cornerback in the NFL, period. It doesn't matter. So let's take a look at what this looks like in terms of the man zone splits for both Richard Sherman and for Janoris Jenkins as well. So we get it on a comparative value. So Richard Sherman played uh, in 2019, played 15 games. We're going to use his 2019 and then use Janoris Jenkins 2020. So the big thing for you to know is that in zone coverage, Richard Sherman allowed an astounding 12.4 passer rating allowed when in zone coverage in 2019. That is absolutely incredible and allowed only 13 catches as well in zone coverage. So that's something to consider there for sure. But in man coverage, he allowed a higher passer rating, but still only an 86. So he never broke the 100 passer rating threshold, even in man coverage. And he played man coverage at least often enough at 23% of his snaps. Now, that wasn't the same amount that Janoris Jenkins played uh, played man coverage. He played in man coverage 43% of the time in 2020, allowing a 103 passer rating when targeted. Now, of course, that number is skewed because he played 20% more snaps in man coverage than Richard Sherman did. But even still, to a certain extent, you kind of have to give Richard Sherman some credit here. He was asked to do something that he didn't want to do, or, or not that he didn't want to do, but that people associate him with not being at his strongest nearly a quarter of the amount of times that he was on the field. And the raw number separation isn't too terribly off either. You look at 113 snaps in man coverage in 2019 for Richard Sherman, 209 in man coverage for Janoris Jenkins. So less than 100 snaps in between the two players, 374 in zone in 2019 for Richard Sherman, 273 in zone for Janoris Jenkins in 2020. Now, another sort of raw number that we can look at is the fact that over 209 snaps in man coverage for Janoris Jenkins, he was targeted 36 times at 17%. You look at Richard Sherman in 2019 targeted 15 times over 113 snaps. That was 12%. So you saw him get targeted a little bit less, Richard Sherman did, but when he was targeted, he did let them catches go, right? 11 catches on 15 targets is a 73.3 completion percentage, but only 82 yards allowed 7.5 receiving yards per reception in man coverage for Richard Sherman. Meanwhile, for Janoris Jenkins, it's a 14.2 uh, receiving yard per reception average allowed 340 yards over 24 catches and also two touchdowns and one interception. Meanwhile, in man coverage in 2019, Richard Sherman had one interception and didn't give up a single touchdown. Give up only one touchdown that season, and I believe it was in a goal line defense type of a situation. So when you look at what it is that he was asked to do in man coverage, he still did it pretty well. Now, is he going to be able to do it consistently? Of course, that's a big question. But 
how consistently are we actually really expecting the Saints to continue to play mostly in man coverage? Yes, it did benefit Marshawn Lattimore to do that in 2020, but now with Chris Richard in the building, is Chris Richard going to help to make Marshawn Lattimore a better zone corner and turn him into a little bit more of a spot drop player to have that sort of scheme flexibility, scheme versatility available to him? And if so, then maybe having a mentor like Richard Sherman across from him is actually a really good idea. So all that I'm saying is that if the Saints do sign Richard Sherman, there are a lot of things about it that make sense. It gives you a bridge corner, essentially, into a younger guy, and it also gives you an opportunity to get a mentor and a veteran mentor back in that position, just like they had last season that worked very well for him. And again, you get one of the best corners to ever play the game there to train up guys like CJ Gardner-Johnson to trash talk along with CD Deuce as well to work with a guy like Marcus Williams, to work with a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, along with the leadership and mentorship that they are also getting from Malcolm Jenkins. There's a lot of those intangible pieces that are really good about this potential signing as well. And we should also remember that just because the Saints sign a guy like Richard Sherman, it doesn't mean that if the right guy is there at the right time during the draft, that the Saints would pass on drafting a young rookie that could also play that cornerback two spot either immediately, just like Alvin Kamara pushed out Adrian Peterson after Adrian Peterson was signed in free agency, the Saints still drafted Alvin Kamara and traded up for him at that, or is available in there in case Richard Sherman's season gets cut short if he signed with the New Orleans Saints, just like what happened last year with the San Francisco 49ers. So these two things are not diametrically opposed to one another, nor do they exclude the possibility of one another. If the Saints sign Richard Sherman, they could still go for an insurance plan if the right person is in the right range and they can get their hands on their guy at the cornerback position in the NFL draft. Oof, a big episode today recapping all of the moves that have gotten the Saints to this point under the salary cap. We have to do a little bit more work tomorrow. We're going to revisit the Alex Arma signing as well as any of the most up-to-date news that you need to know about your New Orleans Saints, as well as all the biggest news. And we'll revisit the Alex Arma signing. Y'all know I love fullbacks. I'm sad about what this could mean for Michael Burton, but we'll wait and see what it means as the Saints fill out an eventual 90-man roster before getting to training camp. So I appreciate y'all, as always, for coming through. Don't forget to come back tomorrow. And of course, stay safe until then. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.